I'm Willie Davis, millennial, real estate agent, and entrepreneur. Let's get into some real estate talk. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Free Life Agents podcast. And this is going to be FLA number 30. And we have a returning guest this episode, uh, Willie Davis from episode number nine. He was one of my very first, I guess one of my one of my earlier guests. And we had, yeah. I think, in my opinion, one of my favorite episodes um, where Willie shared his background, his story, and um, talked a lot about what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur, not just a successful agent, but a successful entrepreneur in general. So if you guys don't know who Willie is, definitely go back, listen to that episode. Uh, it was a great one. So I think you guys can get a lot of value from it, but we're bringing Willie back and uh, he's going to be talking about what's going on in the real estate market here, going into Q4, potentially 2023 uh, as well, Q4, 2022 and Q1, 2023. And some of the things that are happening, maybe to kind of ease the nerves of real estate (laughs) professionals and uh, investors and buyers and sellers in the market. So uh, welcome back, Willie. It's great to have you. uh, Great to have you back on the podcast. No, I'm excited to be back. It's, it's good to uh, talk to you. I was thinking back to that first conversation we had. I think we recorded that in March. And yeah. that was a, yeah, that was, that was a really, really good conversation. So yeah, I'm excited to, to extend it again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I love, I love it when I have a, a great guest like you and we just, you know, kind of just hit it off and, uh, you know, bring you back and see what's, what's been happening, what's been going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially now, with some of the more current things going on in the real estate market, a lot of panic and uh, just want to ease yeah. the nerves, right? So, you know, yeah. what, what's been going on with you in the past couple of months, you know, <laughs> moving to a, the transition with Atlanta, moving in, you know, being in two different real estate markets and everything. What's been going on with you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the transition, I've, it's now been over a year now. I think the last time we talked, right. it was just under a year. So approaching that year and a half mark um, of being dual licensed and working here in Atlanta and also in Metro Detroit. And, you know, I got to say, even going into Q4 of this year, you know, my business is, I would say about 50-50. I've been fortunate enough to have passed and even some new clients in in Metro Detroit want to work with me um, or people who maybe last year we had a conversation and things just kind of came to fruition this year. Um, and then also here in Atlanta, things kind of take off and, and get, get more steady. So, you know, I'm the transition and, and all of that, that's in full force. And, and I'm at that point truly, uh, where I'm working, branding and, um, and handling business in, in two States. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm grateful and fortunate that it's been working out because not always do you think of. Atlanta and Detroit or Michigan and Georgia, as much as you might hear about Michigan and Florida, um, even Florida and Georgia and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, so it, it's been great. It's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad to hear everything's working out, uh, working out well with that. And, uh, you know, you're able to kind of juggle it between, uh, between your schedule, <laughs> probably a, yeah. a lot of flying, right? Cause those are not driving distance states. <laughs> well, actually what's interesting because of the airline flights, the prices went up so much this right. year. I actually have been driving back and forth. It's 10 hours, really? but, but when I go back to Michigan, I'm there for at least a week. I'm there five to okay. seven days. Yeah. Maybe I was there a couple of few months ago. I was there for nine days. Um, and while I was there, a listing, I didn't go there for this, but while I was there, a listing, 
came uh, came to me and obviously then the purchase of it and, you know, kind of worked with one of my partner agents there. But, you know, actually it is a little easier just to drive. At least I have my car, I can come and go, you know, a little more flexible yeah. uh, with that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I didn't even realize, I guess, but like 10 <laughs> hours is not a, it's not like, it's not like a, you know, like an easy drive, right? It's, it's you, you do it in one day or two days? Oh, I do it in one day, just door to door. I leave about eight, nine o'clock in the morning, get there by dinner. Um, but I mean, yeah. you're in Texas, so it takes what, 14, 15? How long does it take to get from end to end of Texas? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, it takes it takes 10 hours to get in, into Texas. Yeah, yeah we've, we've done that before. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not. Yeah. So, yeah exactly. we, we drove for an entire day and we, we weren't even out of state. And, yet, and so. you're still in Texas. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not like i'm not a i'm pretty familiar with, i'm no stranger to driving to georgia and that kind of that oh, area yeah. as well and that takes about 14 hours and we usually do it in, in two days and that's why i kind of asked you 10 mm. hours you can definitely do it in a day but yeah. I, we, we have to do it in, in two days but i mean it, yeah that's uh, i usually i usually go by myself too so it's okay. it's maybe at most three stops a couple of gas stops maybe an extra bathroom stop in there potentially right. but uh but yeah listen to some you listen to some podcasts, a couple of albums, yeah. you know, or, or record your CDs, if you will, or whatever, um, on iTunes. And then next thing you know, you see the sign that says Welcome to Michigan. Yeah, you do it a couple of times. It doesn't it doesn't feel as bad. So, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But that's I mean, that's actually a really good transition. It brought up a really good point to go into like what we really want to talk about today, which is like the mm -hmm. shifting market, not necessarily just real estate, because yeah, you know, it's more like overall economic what's going on here and there. And you mentioned, you know, mm -hmm. flights are so expensive because of the you know, inflation raising prices that you have to end up driving. So that's a, you know, it's a shift, yeah. right? In your, your current life. So, I mean, mm -hmm. let's, let's just kind of dig into it. You know, there's a lot of panic going on, you know, what's going to happen to the economy, what's going to happen to the market. Uh, <laughs> so let's kind of, uh, let's do micro first and then maybe go mm -hmm. into macro uh, so let's, let's, you know, what's your take, you know, what you've seen in the market in, in two different markets, what do you think is going to happen? Mm -hmm. Q4, 2022, Q3, uh, 2023, or Q1, 2023 yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what is interesting now I've been here in Atlanta, like I said, a full year, year and a half, I can compare Q3 and 4, 22 to Q3 and 4, 2021. Right. And even Metro Detroit and Atlanta too, last year, we just saw a lot of, I mean, the market was just gangbusters. And if mm -hmm. if there was a thought of a house going on the market, it was already sold, even before you put a sign in there, before an MLS and things like that. And uh, uh, from a consumer standpoint and or a seller standpoint, and I say consumer, it, it was just very easy. Just like, all right, whatever price I want to list my house for, it's going to go for that and then some, whatever price you're thinking at 30%, and it still might go over that. Um, but as we've been getting into this, uh, you know, the, I think since what is it, April and May, June, those, the inflation rates were kind of getting a little higher. And a lot of people, you know, I focus right here in Atlanta right now, people were kind of, kind of getting scared. And, and a lot of buyers were just like, oh no, I'm out of the market whenever there is some kind of economic instability, if you will, mm -hmm. the first thought is to, in some cases, not to do something. And yes, there are some things you shouldn't do during that time. But what we were always seeing is 
over decades and historically real estate was always the best bet. So um, I just had a conversation just earlier today with a good friend of mine where, you know, that shift we were seeing in May and June and when the rates went in a matter of six weeks went from 3%, 40% to 5% up to 6%. And people are like, oh my God, rates are going to go up. And we were hearing conversations from economists that, oh, we could go up to 10% before this is all over and all of that. I'm seeing that it's starting, that that increase has started to stabilize. And a lot of those buyers or some of those buyers who at that time early on were like, I don't want to do anything. Some, not all, but some have kind of stopped waiting. Just like, it is what it is. If you want to buy, you're going to buy. If you want to sell, you're going to sell. I even will still say to my sellers, um, a house I had listed in Michigan, Kalamazoo, Southwest Michigan, a couple of months ago, uh, we had we had some good traction, about nine or 10 showings, but we got one offer. But that one offer is what we needed. It was at asking, it was at it was giving us what we were needing. It, it wasn't taking too much. My sellers were not giving up any additional monies or anything like that. And I say to my sellers, you only need one. And we're getting back to that point or that, that period of time where you only need one. And if you price the house right, or as a buyer, if you are honest with yourself and, and realize you're going to marry the house and not the rate, you can refinance in 12 18, 24 months. Um, but no matter what, even if that rate's at 6%, it most likely is still going to be cheaper than the rent that you're paying for a comparable uh, apartment or probably an apartment with at least one less bedroom. You know, so we're getting to that point where the agents, as an agent, and I love this part of it too, I'm getting back to the point where I'm educating clients again. I'm educating my sellers on what does this mean for you? Um, and I'm educating my buyers on what does this mean long-term, you know? Um, and that's almost something that hasn't happened in the last couple of years because I would never say to a buyer a year or two ago or outside of a year or two ago, I would never say to a buyer, oh, write your offer for 30,000 over what I but I, and, and I still never did, but I would say, hey, this is what the homes are going for in this area, write it for what you're most comfortable with. And sometimes that was 20 or 30 over. And as a seller, I would never tell my seller to, oh yeah, just, just reach for the stars and everything. I'm now, I'm telling my sellers, I do not have comps to support that price. I've said it to a good friend of mine whose house I'm listing. I don't have comps to support that price just because six months ago, something sold for an elevated price. So, you know, going from just any and everybody just doing any and everything, a buyer buying it for whatever money they can get their hands on and a seller selling it for whatever price that they want to, um, that they think of in their dreams last night. Um, we're getting back to buyers and listing agents needing to educate each and every one of your clients and set those expectations. And I'm grateful it's been working out for me. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, definitely. And I think you brought up a good point there where, you know, people are looking at what's going on like six months ago or this one house that sold for so much. So, you know, 
over asking price, you know, as a seller, you know, some people are, are, you know, they're, it's confirmation bias, right? They want Mm -hmm. something to happen. So they're looking for information that is, you know, in existence that will support their belief, but it's not necessarily, you know, you know, it exists, but it's not necessarily like the truth, right? That absolutely. Yeah. You know, for example, a listing that I have now, um, the closest, uh, we're, we're kind of sitting in the middle of where the highest comp is, which was cash and where the next comp is, which is half the distance, you know, uh, less mm-hmm. than us, um, a few months ago, but taking into consideration some of the better features my, my listing has over the one that sold for a little less, but you know, I, I, t- I told my client, my, my seller, I said, this other house sold for cash. That means there was no appraisal. Looks like it sold off market. You, you, you got to take that with a grain of salt. Um, and I never want my sellers to overextend themselves, you know, just because you want to put a high price on it. Okay, you might get someone who will write an offer for that price. But what if you get a very conservative appraiser um, from the lender who's like, all right, you know, they're, they're knocking things down, say 20% because of the market stability. Um, then my, now my seller is mad because they didn't get that high price because, you know, and all of these different things. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's really just kind of about educating and, and setting the expectation this year, 2022 literally is a year where every single quarter is different than the previous Q1 was, uh, we were coming off of that high year last year. But also the rates started to come up. Q2, there was this shock and awe. Everyone's like, oh my God, you know, it's a it's a 5% interest rate, you know. And then Q3, which is usually the summer and you know, summer, early fall, and and you're kind of in a way used to it. But you know, now we're coming up on Q4, and it'll be interesting to see how the market re- or how people react to the market, you know, Q3 historically, just because it's mostly summer, Q2 and three, you got more listings on the market, no matter what the economy is doing, most people in summer, they're going to list their house. So as a seller, I tell my sellers who are on the fence in the spring, say, hey, we're, you're going to start to have more competition. So, which is going to, in a way, dilute the price of your home. So maybe, you know, think about doing something, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, like you said, you know, it's, there's a comparative kind of value versus, you know, an absolute value as well. So like, what is your, like, I guess if you're talking to a consumer, it's like, what is your actual, you know, what is your, your goals versus what are you trying to look around what other people are getting? Cause like, you know, somebody Mm -hmm. might've sold a house that isn't worth a million for a million, but do you, is that really, do you need it? Do you need the the extra million? Mm -hmm. Is that your goal? Or do you need to just get this house listed on the market and, you know, move to your job right and then you get the best value out of it so it's i think again like a lot of people they're they're seeing what's going on around them and they're letting it affect their decision making which can be problematic (laughs) oh yeah yeah (laughs) right (laughs) yeah yeah no it absolutely could be and then you know we saw a lot in the first half of the year of these you know i'd say second half of last year to the first half of this year a lot of those I buy companies, so Zillow mm. Homes and Open Door and and all of the other ones who have had to make a um, a shift, if you will, and and readjust 
you know, their business model. Um, And I, you know, one of my good friends, he, he was selling his house last fall and he got some offers from them, but he realized, Hey, it's better to, they're going to lowball me because I need to, they need to make a, a profit, you know? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, he ended up selling himself on the market for about 75,000 higher than what his other offers were with an agent, you know? So, you know, a lot of, a lot of those um, companies were, were really big. And I think even for some agents or I never felt like I was competing with that because I have the, I can educate my clients. I, I never feel like I'm competing with anything if I'm able to educate my client on something. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good that you brought up iBuyers because I, this is something that I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of, I, like, I haven't heard too much of this, I guess, within the, the industry from both investors and agents, but I have heard yes. a couple of people that I'm, I'm personally close with kind of talking, talking about this. And maybe mm-hmm. this is like a Texas specific, but I, I doubt it. It really is. And I want to get your take on it in your markets as well. It's just, um, yeah. I've been hearing a lot of just like the problem with iBuyers coming in and this could be like a national mm-hmm. iBuyer, like an open door or Zillow or offer pad coming in yeah. and buying in properties or like a local kind of like a local real mm-hmm. estate iBuying company. And they're just yes. buying up entire subdivisions. They're literally mm-hmm. buying up entire subdivisions of, of like new builds and pre-constructions and, and entire oh, house, yeah. entire you know neighborhoods and monopolizing the market. And yes. that has been, I guess, a problem or that's a, mm-hmm. a problem that we're seeing and why we encourage people to go invest in real estate because it would rather have, you know, yeah. Willie own five properties than, you know, house dot you know house incorporated (laughs) own like five million properties right yeah no absolutely yeah i mean you you see it a couple of different ways we were seeing it where um large investment firms would like you said buy up a neighborhood or a or develop a single family home community with the intention of just renting them out right and then you would see some of these national i buy companies who would um, I buyer companies who would um, intentionally um, overinflate the prices in neighborhoods or or purchase homes at a higher price just to support a support and to provide a comp for when they s- sell a house that they are lowballing you on. So a house right. that you know they s- bought it from you for one eighty but they're going to go and buy your neighbor's house and three doors down for 220, 230, just so they can paint walls and put down carpeting your house to sell it for 235, you know, and provide the comps. Um, and, and I will say for some people, an iBuyer company is, works for them. Like if you need to relocate for a job, you don't want to go through the whole putting your house on the market thing. You just want a good, clean transaction, get in and out and and let it be someone else's responsibility that that can work for for individuals um but i would challenge and say i have helped many people relocate so i work for many people too (laughs) you know right and making sure that you're getting you know top dollar um you know for your home so um a lot of those companies even when they are giving you their offer they're not they're still not really stepping foot into your home. It's you providing some additional mm-hmm. photos for them and, and it's all computer generated, if you will. Um, so yeah, there's, 
there's a whole that's a whole episode right there but yeah <laughs> oh <laughs> right yeah i think so as well i mean like it's it's a i guess like it's just this issue that's uh coming up in this past couple of years um you know and it could we don't know really it's gonna go i think agents are scared as well that's gonna replace them and maybe that's that's a good kind of path to go down in terms of our like the rest or the the our conversation is you know yeah. what do you think you know agents are kind of been are faced with you know coming in this you know next couple of months maybe next year or so i think agents are some of them are, are a little scared although they might not mm-hmm. like to say it right it's not you know because yeah. the, the past couple of years has been pretty easy i think oh gosh for, yeah it's so easy uh, yeah i had this conversation with with another agent or my broker actually yesterday yeah. and i said I would not want to be a new agent right now. And I don't want to be a new agent right now. Luckily at this point, I've been in since the beginning of 2017. So five, six years, whatever. And I remember when I started, um, there wasn't this influence on social media. Social media was around obviously, but there, there wasn't this persona on social media where it was making real estate seem easier than what it was. I, I, from the beginning, from day one, I just felt like it was work, work I wanted to do. And I personally, I enjoyed building my brand, building my business, uh, figuring out what I wanted it to be and look like, and, and how I was going to provide services to my clients. I was going to get my clients. I was going to retain my clients. I was going to make them happy and all of the different ways and avenues uh, that I felt comfortable doing. I did not do door knocking. It works for some people. Mm, I don't want to. I didn't really do cold calling works for some people. Mm, I don't want to. And I'm fine with that. And I know a percentage of business I might be missing out by not doing that. But if, but even so that approach is not authentic to me. So I don't want to do it, but not to knock anybody's doing it. It's I'm glad there's people doing it. So I don't have to, but, um, but now in these last couple of years, two or so years, Real estate in 2020, after things kind of leveled off with, you know, with COVID and, and real estate was opening back up by the fall of 2020, real estate just got so crazy and bangbusters. And then all, and then you come into 2021 and this, this idea that literally you can just, like I said, put any price on a home and it sells. And, and I think for any agent, just about any agent with a pulse and that wanted to do good last year last year was probably their best year 2020 and or 2021 if you had a pulse and you did something to push your business forward it was probably your best year and a lot of and 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 a lot of agents was were pushing that and it's like oh my god i did this amount per year this year blah 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 and 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 making it seem easy and a lot of agents were getting into oh yeah let me oh yeah let me get into real estate because the the bar to get in real estate is so low. Like I said, a pulse 18 and passing a test, depending on which state you're in in the country is how easy or hard your test is. And some of them got into it and it, to their surprise, the way to build your business or, or clientele and get clients and those conversations that you have to have were probably a little more detailed and harder than they thought. And now that we're experiencing this market shift and leveling off and, and all of that, 
I am so glad in, in more than one way that this is happening right now because the market needed it. it, it the market was just too lopsided. Also, like I said earlier, it's forcing agents to get back to educating your clients. And that's going to make, that's going to separate you. For a lot of those agents who got into real estate because they looked like they thought it was easy and just, oh, it's cute. And, and oh my God, my white BMW and my, you know, my big bag and all of that stuff. Okay. Now explain to your client what a 9% inflation rate means to them. Oh, well, I don't even know what it means period, let alone, okay, explain to your seller what that means to them and, and the opportunities that they still have to sell their home. Explain to it what, for a buyer who might be a little scared because they're expecting or anticipating a market drop, uh, explain to them really what that market drop means and what a leveling off means and what an adjustment, explain to them, oh, what, now we're getting to that point where you, where agents have to be agents. They have to be uh, real estate advisors, they have to be counsel, they have to have an understanding of the market before anybody even understands it. They have to, uh, you know, kind of be able to, to do that. And I think a lot of these agents over the last couple of years have had the luxury of not needing to do that out of the gate. But when I started, you know, me and my broker, we started a couple of years, a year or so apart. So mid 2000s, mid 2010s, that was just something inherent that I learned and realized I needed to do from the beginning. So I didn't have to play catch up to learn the market so that I could educate. I knew it. Um, and I, and I, I put myself and I positioned myself to, to do that. So I don't, I would hate to be a new agent right now because there is this false sense of understanding this false this false persona that i think is being placed on real estate agents and the real estate market and and what what it what it means to be an agent so yeah yeah no i think i think that's right because a lot of agents maybe it's just the past couple of years i guess i wasn't i wasn't really around in like 08 or 09 like oh yeah i wasn't past, but yeah right yeah like the past past couple of years i mean like it seems like agents are just kind of like glorified tour guides of, of homes I've, we've heard that term yeah. a lot you open doors and you know you, sh you show kind of what this house looks like you know i guess most people can do that but now like you said you know it takes a little bit more than kind of just opening yeah. a door to <laughs> be in the real estate, uh, you know, being in the real estate industry. So, yeah. And then once you get into a transaction and, and you come up and you run into an issue um, in the transaction and, and being able to troubleshoot that in a lot of ways, it can be troubleshooted without troubleshot without bringing your broker, obviously, you know, some things you got to bring your broker in, but just right. being able to have the ability to troubleshoot issues without having to call two, three, four different people um and even just having a an overall idea of what is going on so that you can figure out what needs to happen because because you're you might be in step three but because you know step seven eight and nine you can figure it out here in anticipation for what's coming down the road but yeah right <clears throat> yeah exactly i mean i guess this is a I guess maybe you can explain your answer. You can give your answer and then explain it okay. or, you know, maybe not, but we'll, we'll see. So you say you, you would hate it. 
for somebody to you hate to be a new agent right now so do you think that um i guess this question can go either way but do you think (laughs) agents do you think people should be getting their real estate license do you think new agents should be exiting the industry looking for a different thing to do or do you think they should just kind of like strap up and you know just do the thing you originally plan to go go and do yeah um yes to all of the above um okay yeah (laughs) and i'll there there are there are some agents who 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 do have it who um who have the the wherewithal to know you gotta pull up by your bootstraps you gotta get in there you gotta you got to make it happen. You got to make it work. And they have that, that desire to, and that want to do that. Uh, No matter what their family makeup is, whether they're married or single kids or no kids, whatever, they just know this is, I want to do this and I know the work required and I'm going to do it. No one's going to stop me. There are some agents who probably have severely underestimated what it takes to be in this industry. And uh, they're letting their pride get in the way and not allowing themselves to just not even take the L, but just say, you know what, a year, year and a half into it, this isn't for me. You know, maybe I've only done one transaction. I might not have done any transactions. You know, this, this is, it is expensive to be a real estate agent. So, so to be a real estate agent for six months, a year, a year and a half or so, and not have a sale, you're, you're in the hole thousands and thousands of dollars for the simple fact of just right. having a real estate license, you know? And then, um, yeah, and, and, and then there are some agents who can do this and they can work a nine to five. They know that I'm, if you mentally say, I'm gonna be a part-time agent and whatever that looks like, however you, you set up and structure your business, you can, you can do that. And I think, and if, and I think for all of those categories, if you own it, that is the right answer for you. If, if you own it, the fact that I'm a part-time agent, I only want to help some family and friends. I, um, you know, maybe some showings on the weekend, you know, limited um, exposure, but, you know, enough. One transaction, even one transaction a month or every other month is still, you know, some, some good extra money of the year. Um, and if, and if some agents literally just get out of their own way and are honest with themselves and say, I don't think this is for me, and that's okay. That's, that's okay. Everything is not for everybody. Um, this is a little harder than I thought, and I, I don't have the bandwidth or the, or the desire or the motivation to do what's needed to, to do this long term. So I'm going to bow out. I'm going to you know, let my broker release me. And I'm going to just go get a regular job um, until maybe I'm able to provide some stability and get back into it or just say, you know, real estate's not for me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes to all of the above. So, yeah, I mean, yes I like that to answer. all of the above. Yeah. I like that answer because it's not like, I think people want to know like what they should do. Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? Like agents, they want to know like, oh, you know, this market's shifting, you know, should I go? I mean, I guess if you're having that thought, like, like if, if you're, if you're doubting whether or not you should even stay in the industry, they, probably... they, they already, nine out of 10 times, they already know the answer. Yeah. Right. So like, probably, yes. probably just not for you. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like it, it, again, like you said, like, I mean, like if you want to stay in the industry, it's, 
I mean, do you think, I guess we've, I've heard opinions on this, like if mm -hmm. the ones who actually weathered the storm, if you will, and yeah. go through the bad cycle, um, those are the ones mm -hmm. that are, are going to retain the market share as well because of everybody else mm -hmm. who's quit. So do you think, you know, if you yeah. just kind of step up a little bit, do a little bit more, uh, you know, provide mm -hmm. more for your clients, go in and more from a service standpoint and an educational mm -hmm. standpoint, uh, is the reward going to be even more yeah. than they think. Absolutely. One of my biggest goals um, and the driving factor behind my system, I've been, I've been traveling a lot these last right. few weeks or so, so I haven't been as aggressive, but my, my biggest goal, my biggest thought process behind my, my social media presence is if somebody has a question, I want to be one of the answers. So if you have a question about real estate and whatever the question might be, whether it's, hey, inflation and interest rates, what does that mean? Or, or is selling my home, buying a home, um, is the sky blue, like whatever it is as it relates to real estate. I want, I want to be um, one of the answers. And, and to be one of the answers, I have to just keep providing information and education to my clients and even people who are not clients of mine, even people who haven't worked for me or will never work for me or whatever, but they're getting an answer from me. Um, I, have, I have a lot of people that will ask me a question who have an agent or they feel slighted by their agent. And I'm never gonna be the one that's like, well, hey, drop your agent, come work for me. I'll answer your question, I'll provide that value. You can decide, you're the one paying your agent, not me. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's very important. I think that's you know if you're giving out free free value, which you are. I've seen mm -hmm. the reels on on Instagram and the and the posts as well. They're very educational for uh, yeah. people with inside and outside in inside and outside the industry as well. So I think you know that's what yeah. you do, and that's what people should be thinking more mm -hmm. of how they can do that versus just kind of like locking in deals, like you said. You know, not knocking the cold yeah. calling, door knocking people. But if you're able to offer some type of value. I think that's yeah. the long-term plan. And it just not like, this is not just like a real estate specific thing. This is everything. Like if you- Every, Everything. Yeah, I mean, just it's it's a value. Like business is built on value. It's not necessarily built on like just trying to make one sale and how you can get to that one sale or that two, two sales or mm -hmm. however many sales you're trying to get to essentially. So- Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes too for- agents or newer agents, whatnot. And I've had this conversation many times with some newer agents um, in my office where they would say, oh, I just need to get that, you know, we have your weekly meeting. Oh, mm -hmm. I need to get to have that first sale. I'm just waiting on the first sale. What's your goal this week? Going to my first client. And then I start to position them. I say, okay, well, after you get that first one, then what? It's like, you gotta, you gotta look past that. I ran track in high school. And one of the things my track coach would always say, you always say, run through the finish line. If you, if you stop at the finish line, then you slow down before you get to it. So, you know, I'd say to agents that are saying, oh, I just need to get that first sale. I need to get a first sale. No, you need to create a structure in your business so that the business will come, so that you are approachable for that first, second, third sale, that 10th sale a year from now, whatever. It's not just about the first sale um, because you know, some people might think, oh, I'll feel a lot better when I get that first sale. Your first sale might be the easiest thing in the world. It's a buyer who just so happens to call you on pre-approved 400,000. I want to see that. I want to buy this house. 
And boom, that literally happened to me during the pandemic. I was sitting on the couch in April, 2020. Somebody I know, a friend of mine, six degrees of separation called me, said, hey, pre-approved. Um, I want to buy this house that's down the street from me. It's almost finished being built. Boom. Literally one of the easiest transactions I've had. And also because it was a pandemic, I couldn't even go to <laughs> the inspections and closings and stuff, but whatever. But okay, you get that first sale is super easy. But now that second sale is FHA and your buyer is a little of a headache. And then you have the FHA repairs from the inspection and how to negotiate that. How do you negotiate it? It's a resale. The house was built in 1964. Um, and you got to negotiate things from the home inspection. Then the appraisal comes in 10,000 lower in the, you know, so, okay, you have the first sale. So you don't need my, you don't need help anymore. You, you, you got that. So that's why it, it never ends. It never gets easier. It's, it's always hard. It's just hard in a different way. Right. I love that. It's hard in a different way. Yeah. I mean, it's, they yeah. have the, you know, people have to look past that versus, you know, just kind of getting things done versus do you want to make a career out of this, especially mm -hmm. uh, long-term. So yeah. kind of looking more in a kind of like a macro or it's mm -hmm. both macro and micro, I guess kind of like macro yeah. in terms of, you know, the economy as a whole, and then micro yeah. in terms of, because you work in two different markets, I kind of want to get your take on this because mm -hmm. real estate is more local. You know, if you're yes. licensed in, you know, New York, you can't sell a house in Florida, you know, vice versa. Exactly. So are, do we think, you know, both clients and agents are kind of seeing the economy as a whole and then judging their business and making decisions based on what they're hearing in the news, which could be completely mm -hmm. irrelevant to their current yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, you know, I potentially. So when you talk about the economy as a whole, obviously we know rates are the rates. They're kind of like right. that across across the board. We know that appreciation is pretty high for homes. Mm -hmm. We know that the home prices over the last couple of years have been just skyrocketing. And if you're a homeowner, it's been great for your appreciation been a little harder for some sellers or from some buyers and things like that. But when it comes to more localized, I've seen a little different in some, you know, between the two metro, metro areas. So here in Atlanta, there was a time when a house that 250 to 350 price range was like the golden ticket. That was, everybody was looking at that price range. Everything was sold in that price range. Now I'm seeing it's four, five, six hundred, seven. Like it's it's more it's it's leaning more toward that luxury um, price point. You know, especially here in Atlanta, the average the the average and median sales price is over four hundred thousand. Um, you know, so and and that's gone up a hundred plus. That like that's gone up a lot in the past twelve to eighteen months. You know, in Metro D and and also here. In, in Atlanta, there's been such a scarcity of, of new construction. And it's mainly because just a lack of, I mean, a lack of land to build it and, and, and whatnot. And, and then if you want a ranch home, it's mostly in a 55 and up community, you know, but in Metro Detroit, um, there is more vacant land and more subdivisions are being built so that so the average home price is obviously lower, but you know it's it's giving my buyers an opportunity to 
to still kind of get into that new construction uh, price range. Still hard under three hundred thousand, but you know, in that four to five hundred thousand dollar price range, those are kind of it, it, they're still sitting on the market long enough to give you an opportunity to see it, get it under contract, and so on and so forth. You know, my client right now, she's under contract on a new construction at almost six hundred. Have been on the market literally probably since the uh since the plans were approved and the foundation was dug you know beginning of this year end of last year but now we're under contract 90 days out from occupancy um here in atlanta what i'm seeing is the builders phasing things out as they get closer to being completed because i mean if yeah if, if a four bedroom two and a half bath house you know was to be built I mean, a lot of times it's, yeah, it's, it's gone. So it is to, I'm seeing something, especially for the new construction uh, and for new construction homes, seeing some differences between the, um, the two markets. Um, like I said, here in Atlanta, not a whole lot of opportunity unless you go 30, 45 minutes out. Um, in a Metro Detroit, there is a little more um, opportunity. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it does depend on the inventory mm -hmm. of the market and, you know, what's yes. actually available and building mm -hmm. and, are you know, mm -hmm. our homes being built, right? Like, you know, oh, yeah, for demand, sure. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, even with some of the builders too, like I would, as I'm looking at um, new built homes listed on the MLSs, you know, here in Georgia, uh, in FMLS and in, mm -hmm. in Michigan and real comp, the new construction homes here in Atlanta, I'm seeing more builders in some cases offer some financing incentives, you know, using their lenders. I don't see it as much in Michigan or at least not yet again. Um, but, but I'm seeing, I'm seeing some, some closeout deals and some, uh, you know, some things to kind of help clear out the, um, the inventories and especially because the home prices are higher here too. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, you know, I don't think people should be making their decisions essentially based off of, you know, what they see. That's, you know, what they see mm -hmm. on TikTok or, oh, gosh. or yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> so um, it's, it's much more local. And um, if you're a consumer listening to this, so like if you're a buyer and a seller or an investor, I guess as well, talk to mm -hmm. an agent, right? If you're, and if you're in Atlanta or Metro Detroit, talk to Willie because he obviously yeah. knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so, um, and if you're an agent, uh, again, yeah, I think mm -hmm. same thing, like don't let, you know, the panic or the fear that's, you know, that you're seeing, don't let it scare you, but also mm -hmm. understand that it's not, you know, you're not going to just be able to open a, open a door and kind of make a, make a commission anymore. So. Yeah, for the, yeah, absolutely. You know, for the most part. Um, and, you know, one of the things us agents too are now having to what was what was so interesting obviously before these last two years two and a half years you wouldn't even hear as much on even local or national news about the housing market per se you'd hear it a little bit but i you hear it a lot more now and in some ways that leaves it up for interpretation to the person that's hearing it so if you hear that the average home price is at four hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and maybe a year ago was at three hundred and fifty thousand. You are constantly feeling as though you're being priced out of the market, and for some people, unfortunately, that is the case. But what I've 
often found is a lot of consumers are giving themselves the no before talking to somebody else, before talking to a lender to just even even evaluate what your credit profile and, and your and your overall financial profile looks like to say, okay, you know, if you just did, you know, one, two, three, we can circle back in three months and kind of get you better in a better position or get you ready. Or saying, oh, you're you're great now. And if you maybe you just need to ask for some concessions. That's that's I've gotten people concessions in this in in the last couple of years. Like so I think that's one of my biggest um that's that's another concern that I have with consumers is they because they don't know they are giving themselves that no before speaking to a professional and not even just an agent but just speaking to like I said a, um, a loan officer or mortgage broker um, to see what it is truly that they can afford or how close they might be to that it might not be today but okay it might be in November might be in December Right, exactly. And it's, mm -hmm. it all comes down to information and, you know, the education that, you know, you actually have access to and, you know, for people to be able to make a decision without having all the information is, you know, they shouldn't do yeah. that essentially. So you should definitely, you know, get on the information first and then proceed yeah. uh, accordingly, essentially. So that's, yeah. Some, that's some uh, that's some great advice, uh, Willie, for uh, you know this this <laughs> this interview that we've done. So you know, great yeah. some great advice, not just for consumers and uh, you know people in the market who are looking to sell, looking to buy, but also agents as well. So I mean, don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, oh, if you have yeah, <laughs> if you have any uh, any you know any last tips for uh, our buyers and sellers that could be listening to this, and also for agents coming into what may or may not happen. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, with the, everybody throws around the word crash, <laughs> what may or may not happen, uh, you yeah. know, any, any last tips so that everybody can kind of be a little bit more aware of what's going on and they can make mm -hmm. decisions accordingly. So they're not either making it out of fear or making it out mm -hmm. of, you know, a bias against, you know, essentially yeah. themselves, essentially one way yeah. or the other. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, what I would say for agents, um, it is it is imperative and it's so very important that we become, again, that's those subject matter experts and educate our clients um, in ways that they may not have been in the past or they might not have are being educated right now. Um, a lot of people are, are reading headlines and the headlines can be deceiving, they can be appalling, they can be, you know, scary, but being able to do a deep dive and, and give that that um, that level of understanding to the clients um, and, it, it, and not even looking for anything in return, whether you're just putting that information out there and explaining it. One of the things I love about doing reels is I will see, usually I will see nine out of 10 agents for example, a couple of months ago, when the inflation rate at 9.1, when that came out all day, I saw people just resharing the graphic from various news outlets and financial. So everyone just had that in their story. And I said, okay, but no one's explained this. No one's explained this for what this means for a buyer or a seller. So I did a reel and, and I explained it and, and people were just grateful and thankful that, oh, thank you for explaining it. I understand it now and whatnot. So just getting back to, like I said, educating people and for consumers, um, buyer or seller, 
don't give yourself that no before talking to a professional, a professional uh, agent, a loan officer, mortgage broker, your financial advisor, whoever and whatever that may be. Um, you know, for sellers, you only need one. You only need one offer. You only need one buyer. And that buyer is most likely out there. And for a buyer, you only need one house. And that house is most likely out there. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, people are <laughs> thinking too much. Right? I love that. You only need one offer and you only need one house. You can't you can't take two offers, right? Like, I mean. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> and, you know, and the funny thing, everyone, everyone thinks, every seller thinks they want 10 or 20 offers. I remember last year, last spring, I was listening to House of Michigan. I was here visiting Atlanta and I remember I was at my hotel and we got, we got like 15 offers and I was in bed with my fiance and she was helping me. She was reading the offers to me as I'm putting them in a spreadsheet. And even as I condensed it a little lower to, and got rid of some of the other ones that I knew just weren't going to work. It, it still, it still was a tough decision for my seller. And, you know, and even my, my sellers initially picked the offer that gave them some issues and we had to go back to a backup offer and, and all of that. But, you know, uh, yeah, everyone thinks they want that many offers until you have to make a decision on that many offers and realizing it's not an easier decision. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like that same story of like the person who builds a five bedroom house, but they only use one of them. So, you exactly. know, you gotta, and it takes more time right, deciding which bedroom to use. Isn't it? So, it, it does. <laughs> so it's actually a lot easier, like you said, just to find, you know, as a buyer to find your, you know, your dream home. Oh, this is it. And, you know, mm -hmm. this is the one that we're going to go with. And as a seller, this is the offer and it meets all the criteria as well. So, you know, mm -hmm. people would just, you know, kind of, I was just talking to my final <laughs> this yesterday. It's, it's much easier to just simple, you know, make things a lot simpler and kind of, you know, make things a lot easier than it because people make things harder than it has to be. And they yeah. think yeah. that it's, you know, complicated, it's better, but in the, in the reality, it's actually a lot better to just make it make things simpler easier yeah just you, just make it simpler and easier yeah mm -hmm. you eliminate all the unnecessary fluff that's kind of around mm -hmm. it's only distracting so. oh for sure and you know even in that too you know we're kind of even going back to with the agent i mean even sellers right. too is we are i've noticed in the last couple of months myself i've always been a pretty transparent listing agent so if mm -hmm. i'm listing a home kind of letting you know where I'm sitting with offers, you know, even if I don't call for highest and best, say, oh, we got this other, we got one offer in, but oh, it might be contingent. Oh, we got this, you know, and giving everybody a buyers an opportunity to, and their agents opportunity to show the home, to write on the offer, write their offer and, and do different things. Um, you know, even a couple of weeks, uh, about a week and a half ago, I might say, I, for a buyer, I called an agent and say, it's been on the market for a few days. Hey, is this house still in the market? Is it under contract? We, we just talked about what are sellers needed. And I said, okay, my buyer's going to write this offer and everything. It, it, just as having that communication, I was able to get the offer accepted, right. a verbal acceptance, if you will, before even writing it, you know, so we got it written, binding that night and everything. And just having that communication and everyone's always, everyone's trying to keep their cards so close to their chest and the agents don't want to say anything because they want everybody to just claw over the homes and, and write these ridiculous offers when it's just like, let us know what your client needs. Let us know what you're looking for as a buyer's agent. Let that agent know what is the situation with your buyer, 
with the situation with the financing. I always bring a loan officer into the loop when I submit an offer and add them as a CC to the email so that that agent can know this is a very attentive agent or loan officer. Mm -hmm. If you got any questions, just reply to the email. They'll answer it. You know, they'll communicate. So, um, yeah. So getting back to, like I said, back to the point of educating people and then have bringing communication back right. into the, um, in, into the transaction. Um, so far this summer, I will say, even, even listings I've had multiple offers on, um, as a buyer or seller, every contract I got accepted and closed was negotiated. You know, it wasn't just a, Hey, here's the kitchen sink and they're first born. It was, okay, this is what we're looking for. Starting a dialogue and say, okay, right. what can we do? How, how can we make this a little better? This is what we're looking for. Okay. I can, we can cut that out. We can do this. We can maneuver that. Oh, this is going to work great for my, my seller. Are you able to do this? Ah, can you just bring a few more? And you know, um, all of, all of us negotiated and, and in that negotiation or in those communications, it's building that relationship with the other agent who is then being able to give their client a good experience. And then I'm able to get my client and it's, it's, you know, right. it's, it's, it's called real estate. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's yeah. just, yeah, I love it. You know, bringing communication back, right. It should have never left. <laughs> you know, exactly. Communication should have never left. Um, you know, it's, it's the key. And have you, I mean, have you read or heard of the book never split the difference? By, uh, I've heard of it. I, I feel like maybe at one point I, I did listen to it. Right. Um, I feel like I started the audiobook during the pandemic in like 2020 when I yeah. used to take my walks and stuff. Um, but but yeah, yeah, but I but I, I, I don't I don't recall much of right. it, but the sentiment <laughs> of it is yeah, I think it's just kind of getting back to back to those communications and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We we talked about so Chris Voss. Uh, this is a, he's a FBI, former FBI negotiator for like hostage situations. And he said like the most successful negotiators are the ones that are trying to solve the problem for the, mm -hmm. the person on the other side, even when they're like, they have, you know, your family member, you know, tied up, you're trying to solve the problem for them because, you know, that's, that's how you get to yeah. agreement. It's, you're not trying to trump somebody, you know, play mm -hmm. that trump card or whatever, going, going over and, and embarrass the other party and, you know, take the best offer in the deal and, you know, completely yeah. screw them over. You're trying to work out a situation where everybody is okay with it. And that's makes everybody's life easier. And, mm -hmm. you know, this should be the way that we approach everything, not just a transaction or a client or whatever. This should be the way I think everybody should be approaching their life is just yeah. making it easier for everybody because, you know, you're only making it harder on yourself at that point. Yeah. I, I mean, at the end of the day, whichever side you're of the transaction you're on our goal is yeah. to sell and close this house at the end of the day yeah right everybody has a more common goal than than, than we think so yeah that is yeah. true <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i love it i love it willie um yeah. thanks i mean thanks again for for being a being a, a guest back on the show and uh, kind of yeah. easing our nerves a little bit about the market and telling <laughs> our agents you know, our agent listeners, you know, what they should be doing, how they should be, you know, shifting their plan and strategies as well. Um, mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. Again, if you guys are our consumer in the uh, Metro Detroit area or Atlanta, you know, talk to Willie. He, he's he's <laughs> a man. Like, you guys should talk to him. Um, he, he knows yeah. his stuff and you just, you just listen to him, you know, talk about what, 
kind of value he can give you as well. And I don't know, um, do you, will you like talk to agents as well? So I don't want to. I'll talk, yeah, I'll talk to agents yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no problem. Yeah, okay. uh, you know, and I don't, I don't want, I don't want agents out there giving us agents a bad name either. So yeah. I'll right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's actually, that's, that's a great, that's a great uh, way to think about it. Right. I don't know if you yeah. like that movie where, yeah. uh, you know, guardians were, you know, rocket, rocket raccoon asks, you know, why do you want to save the universe? Right. Cause we live in the universe. That's why I want to save it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you're, you're, an, you're an agent, right. If you're struggling, talk to Willie. He has a lot of great advice for you. You just sort of him you know, for this past hour, if you guys think that, you know, you are wanting to stay in the industry if you're a little bit newer or if you want to get into the industry as well, um, I think Willie can have, you know, can give you guys a good perspective of a real perspective of what you need to do versus, you know, just seeing all the glamour and the glory on, on social media as well. So definitely reach out and uh, let's remind everybody, you know, how they can reach out to you, Willie, uh, if they you know, don't remember from the first episode. Well, I even changed some of my social media too, but I uh, right. condensed it. But uh, my Instagram's uh, at Willie J underscore Davis. Um, my Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash the Atlanta agent, I believe is. Um, but you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, so you can find me everywhere. Um, and I think even in my Instagram, um, I have my link tree link um, to other all my other social media right. in there as well but yeah so my instagram is at willie j uh underscore davis yeah guys reach out to willie uh on social media he will you know happily you know give you some advice whether you're an agent or a uh, a buyer or seller as well so willie dude thanks again for uh for doing this for us and being a guest thank you, know, you. love having you I think you're one of our best guests and that's why you get to come on again. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I have a great time. I enjoy talking to you. Um, thank you. And yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. No, thank you so much. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in and I will see you guys next week. Take care.